Hey everyone, welcome to Rockhound Talk Live, the only live Rockhound podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Sorry about our technical issues that we had with our streaming service, but we are now live and ready to roll. Hey Ben, how are you? Hey Amber, I am doing pretty good. Um, it's been pretty hot here, but I've got some vacation coming up next week to go to Montana, so I am very excited for that. Um, also, um, I wanted to talk briefly. Um, if anyone remembers our guest from episode two of season two, uh, Chase Anderson, the agate dude. Um, if you remember from our talk that we had with him, he actually had spent some time in Maui. Um, and since we had our last episode, there were some really devastating wildfires that happened. And uh, Chase has just decided to go all out. And he has now created uh, the Agate Dude Charities. And he has been doing a lot of work to try to help the people of Maui. Um, he has a wedding coming up in less than a month. And he has just been on fire doing um, so much stuff uh, for Maui. So he does have, if you are in the Twin Cities area... Um, he's got a benefit coming up. Um, it is on September 10th at the Excelsior Brewing Company from 2 to 6 p.m. Um, he's got uh, vendors that will be donating their sales and proceeds from the event. We've got a ton of uh, donations that have come in. I've donated um, some different things, too, as well. Um, so if you can make it out to, um, if you're in the Twin Cities area, it's the western suburbs of the Twin Cities in Minnesota, um, September 10th, Excelsior Brewing Company from 2 to 6 p.m., um, the Lahaina Fire, Wildfire Recovery Fundraiser. So if you can, please support it. And if you can't make it, um, also look around for some other charities. Um, the Maui Food Bank is a great one. There's some other local Maui um, uh, organizations, too, that um, it can go um, straight to, to helping those, those people, since I know it was a pretty devastating thing that happened. So um, if you can, uh, please help. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a really nice fundraiser that he's doing. I wish it wasn't so far. I'd love to make it. Yes. So, um, so back into the rock hounding world, um, you have a trip coming up, so you're going to be going to Montana and yes, you'll be I... one of uh, season one guests. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie White, um, yes. has offered to help our mineral club. Um, for those of you that haven't looked for Montana agates, uh, the best agates are usually in the middle of the river, which is because you can only get to them by boat. Um, Eddie, it's, um, he's just gotten so busy with rock hounding that he actually stopped his, uh, fishing part. And now he just takes people out rock hounding and he's actually offered for two days. He's taking people from the uh, Minnesota mineral club uh, to different gravel bars in the Yellowstone river out near Glendive. So we're very excited for that. We do. Um, if anyone's interested um, for next year, the Minnesota mineral club does a trip to Montana every Labor Day weekend. So yes, that, we, that's uh, definitely one I'm going to definitely going to next year for sure. Yes. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. Um, a lot of agates and petrified wood. And then we also spend a day at the Beige Dinosaur Ranch, which um, you can go find dinosaur bones. They take us to areas they don't let the um, general public to. This year, they actually have so many 
fossils that they actually were closed to the public this year because they just need time to get everything out. Wow. And they're still letting our group come because we've just been going there for so many years. So that's um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely look if, you know, you are looking for other places to go to look at your local mineral clubs as well, because those are great resources for some uh, amazing field trips. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Do, so, do you have any, do you have any? Uh, trips no, out? I actually, well, next month I'm going to be back out in New York again. I'm like addicted. <laughs> So I do plan to go out to New York and I definitely, um, before it gets cold, I want to make it down to Haunted Ridge. Um, mm. And so those are our two places that I want to get to um, in the next couple of months. So otherwise I'm still cleaning specimens and going through things that I want to keep, things I want to give away, things I want to sell. So I'm still in that process as well. I probably will be in it for a while. <laughs> I, I know how that goes. I still have my Michigan copper minerals that I still need yeah. to Yeah. Yeah. I was I've been waiting to see when you whenever you have a chance <laughs> to get them cleaned up to see what they look like. Well, since we got a delay with our technical difficulties with our streaming platform, definitely apologize for that. And let's go ahead and let's bring uh, Dustin on. Hello. Hey good Dustin. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing well. Thank you for Great. joining us. Sure. It's such a pleasure sure. to have you on tonight. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to say hi to some of the people who have said hi in the comments. I appreciate you guys hanging in there with our technical issues. Hi, Terry. Um, Mike with uh, number one billard. I'm pretty sure that's Mike. Hey, Mike. And um, let's see. Um, the Fairborn and Fossils. Lazon says that how you say it? Lazan, um, there you go. They're watching as well. Welcome. Thank you for commenting. So Dustin, tell us a little bit about uh, you in general. Like, you know, I, I am not too familiar with you. I, I We got you as a recommendation from Ben and I started looking you up and it's so exciting to see that there's an artist out there that's you know, creating art um, based off of, you know, agates and your um, Native American culture. So tell us a bit about like where you are right now and kind of how you got there. And then I'd like to definitely dive into a little bit about or as much as you'd like to share about um, Lakota and, and Sioux culture. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, my name's Dustin Twist. Um, I've spent most of my life living on the Pine Ridge Reservation in the southwest corner of South Dakota, um, kind of on the northern boundary of the reservation uh, and also next to the southern boundary of the Badlands National Park. So I live in a very remote area. Uh, I lived here with my family. Uh, my uh, dad is my next door neighbor. We have a small cattle operation as well. Uh, I have my wife, Angela. We have four kids. Uh, my oldest daughter, Jema, she's a information technologist. And Jacob and Daisy are in high school. And Joseph is getting toward the end of middle school. So um, they keep me really busy. Uh, just to give you a little idea how remote we are, I guess, my kids my uh, high school kids commute 60 miles one way to school every day. Wow. So it's very remote, you know. 
Um, yes, are, it is. Are you, I, I do have a, so are you on a dirt road? I'm at the end of a dirt road. I think maybe four or five years ago or something like that. The the road or the, the main road that comes through our area, they chip sealed. But uh, most of my life, it was gravel up until then, you know. Um, when I leave my place, we can go, uh, we, you know, we go about a mile on our driveway and then we can go east and east or west. And it used to be gravel about 10 miles either way to get to the next main road. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just curious. I, I've done some work in Wyoming and um, in North Dakota. And one point I was 45 minutes from pavement by car. So right, I, right, I kind of yeah. have a taste of, you know, how remote some of that stuff can be. So, yeah, I grew up about, you know, having to travel about 20 minutes before you got to a hard paved road and uh, we're uh, just out in the uh, uh, kind of a plateau uh, out in the middle of the Badlands and we're in the Oligocene Epoch that, um, depending on which layer you're looking at anywhere from like 28 million to 33 million years. And wow. Okay. You, you, so um, I guess we'll start with some photos right now. So these are some photos that you had sent um, so is that your, your father in the photo there on the bottom? Yes, it's me and my dad, Lewis. Um, our family has been out here for, um, well, with my kids, this will be the fifth generation that we've inhibited this area here. And uh, uh, that's him and I, I think we we're out doing some fencing. And then um, if you look at the top right photo, uh, you can see it's kind of a plateau and uh, the church looks a little bit lower, but actually that's on the lip of the table as well. And um, it drops off about 200 feet down into more badlands and different layers. Mm -hmm. And um, those lower layers are where you start getting into the agate layers a little more so. Oh, okay. And um, yeah. the, church, the church that you see there is uh, my project I've been working on for a couple of years um, to convert that, that old church into a gallery space for history and art gallery there's a lot of significant history right here in in my area so uh, uh, there's really nothing to uh, archive that or display it or tell it so um, that's what i hope to do with my project wow that's that's great and then i know you, you sent these are i'm guessing just some sunsets and different scenery <clears throat> yeah that's kind of looking off of the table there on the south side of it looking west um, all all three of those pictures uh, every almost every single day we we have just a really beautiful sunset and sunrise um, we you know we're early risers having to get to school so early so uh, we see all phases of the morning sometimes it's completely dark even after the kids get to school it's still dark but uh, times like now it's light when we leave and it's still pretty bright, but uh, here in the next month or so, look forward to seeing some really nice sunrises. That's kind of my inspiration. You know, we just have these big, wide open, beautiful skies, and we're off the foot of the Black Hills where the the, preci the precipitation kind of rolls over that and does some neat tricks and plays with the light. And just gives me um, a lot of inspiration to work I with. was just going <laughs> to ask you if that the scenery is is that give you inspiration for some of your art yeah it really does you know like um I 
I incorporate little badlands that I just see in my everyday life, you know, here traveling around the reservation, I'll see a neat little set of badlands somewhere and maybe I'll snap a picture and I'll put that in whatever drawing I have coming up. And um, to me, I see a lot of similarities in the colors of agates, you know, um, mm. even like with the Lake Superior agates and other others that um, they're really close to the same palette as nature, you know, and, and like the guy colors that we see out here, um, they, they're pretty uh, similar. So I try to use those natural colors as much as I can. I try not to get too radical in my colors, you know, I try to keep um, to, to things that you'd see a little more every day out here in the prairie on the prairie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we did talk about your art. Let's go through. So you sent um, some photos. So I guess that's, um, I'm guessing a Fairburn that you, that did you find that Fairburn on the left? Um, I didn't. Uh, do you guys have the picture of a, there's a red horse? Yeah. The, the drawing that's, rather? Yeah. I can totally oh, yes. see that red horse. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and if you notice the date on that, I drew that in 2018 and uh, three years later, I uh, was set up at the Hermosa Agate Swap in Hermosa, South Dakota, and uh, acquaintance come up to me and he showed me the rock and he said, "Hey, I found uh, I found your horse." Wow, that's so like, cool! Yeah, and it's it pretty wild, you know. It kind of made my hair on my neck stand up. Yeah, um, there's that a lot of similarities cool. between them, and uh, uh, he gifted me the agate. I was oh, uh, another, wow. a rock count John. So, uh, um, yeah, just nice little things like that happen all the time, you know, and uh, there's a couple other instances like that where people had cut a rock or found a rock and found some, you know, it looked kind of similar to some of my artwork. So um, that's always really fun, you know, and it's inspiring, too, in itself, you know, it kind of shows me uh, that I'm, I'm where I'm at, where I'm supposed I'm where I'm supposed to be and doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. Yeah. So, and it reminds me, so I was going through some of your interviews that you've done. Um, and I know that Inyan um, comes up a lot and you've, you've mentioned, I'm probably going to butcher this. So I'm really sorry. Um, Mitakayu Owasin. Yeah. I... So, uh, so I'll you help you out a little bit. So uh, Inyan is uh, the way you pronounce that. The N is kind of nasolated. It's okay. a uh, entity and Lakota culture that um, most Lakotas would be familiar with. And um, uh, I'll get into that a little more. And then Mitakuye Oyasin, which means we're all related. And that's kind of the lesson that we get from Ia. Um, so uh, Ia is basically translates to rock, but in Lakota culture, he was an entity, kind of like a supernatural entity. And um, he was the first creation of Tikanshala or the great spirit or God, you know, and uh, he was like uh, not not in a solid form or state. He was more like uh, um, bl blobish or um, like an energy mm -hmm. form, something like that. Okay, is the way the story goes, and uh, uh, so they say that they had the same uh, and during um, the creation period, the same emotions were were still. Uh, with us or, or we're still we're there at that time like so loneliness and sadness and happiness and 
and whatnot. And so uh, Ian, he he was lonesome and he wanted companionship. And so he had to devise a way to come up with his own companionship because he was the only being around. And so uh, he set off into a spin and he spun and spun and began to shed his parts off. And <clears throat> like the rocks became the star, the materials for the, the stars and the planet. And that was his skin and the other parts of him or his blood became the water, which also became the sky and whatnot. So um, basically the story is, is um, the moral of it is how uh, Ian gave all of himself to create all of what we have and what we see. And um, that relates us all, you know, not just uh, um, native to native or person to person, but even with the, with the, the ground and the grass and the trees and the stars, you know, we're all, we're all part of the same formation. So that's uh, one of the many lessons that we can use Ian for in, in teaching culture. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful, actually. So these are these are some other um, drawings that you had sent. Um, are, are there any, um, I guess, meanings behind some of these? I know, like in a lot of Native cultures, the the white buffalo is uh, pretty sacred. <clears throat> right. Um, yeah. Uh, for the Lakota, it is as well. You know, it, it has a lot of different significances. Uh, one thing, uh, one of, I think one of the main messages is is just unity and uh, like uh, um, for uh, um, good for for all people, you know, just that um, kind of a lucky a lucky symbol, I guess you could say, or a sacred a, a good sacred symbol that just um, to unite everybody and bring goodness for everybody. Um, and then we have a lot of different stories in, in Lakota culture, like a white buffalo calf woman. And um, like uh, when a white when a white buffalo is born, it goes through a whole color sequence. It has uh, white, yellow, red, and black, which is our Lakota colors. And if you look at the picture on the right, and then down there in the Badlands, you see those colors, white, yellow, red, and black. And if you're familiar with our um, our uh, medicine wheel at all, that's a uh, Lakota symbol, which um, it has a lot of signif significant meaning as well. But um, um, basically, for at least in my my part, uh, my Tioshvai, like my little part of the tribe, uh, it um, symbolizes the four directions and the and um, phases of life. And so um, there's a lot of significance that that's uh, connected to colors, I think, too, in Lakota culture. So um, so when you're designing these, um, I guess, like, what, what is your process then? Do you sort of start with, like, there's an animal, or I've, I've even seen you do dinosaurs. Like, do you kind of start with what you want the subject to be? And then, like, you decide, like, then later, like, the like how do you decide, like, because everything just looks like it just is there, but like, I could never think to like have the designs and the colors and have all that like work together. Yeah, well, uh, uh, generally, or at least to this point, I've done uh, animals or landscapes or anything that's indigenous to the Great Plains, which is pretty broad, you know, it gives me a lot of subject material. And um, I have, you know, I 
I don't know. I just kind of dream up little images and uh, designs in my mind, and I kind of build them over time. Like I have, I have dozens that I want to do that I I just haven't got to yet, you know. And then um, the color process is pretty um, pretty tough whenever I come to that. Well, um, before I come to the color. Uh, one thing with my art that's a little different, I always do the foreground first. I, I have to, I work primary, primarily in, in color pencil. And so uh, I kind of, you know, I'll do a little sketch, map it out, and then I'll start transferring that to my larger paper, whatever medium I'm working on. And then uh, I do the foreground first, and then uh, usually I'll add the badlands and then the ground, and then I'll put like some kind of sky. But generally, I kind of know everything that I'm going to do before I start putting it up, before I start mapping it out. And then um, I start fortifying it. I call, you know, I call my form of art fortification art. Uh, mm -hmm. I build it just kind of like uh, nature did too from the outside in. Um, I don't put the exact lines I'm going to use in always necessarily. Um, but basically, I'll, I'll either use like a compass or just hand draw or a little circle stencil to um, kind of map it from the outside toward the center. Because oh, okay. I, I need to do that, you know, especially as I'm getting more technical and detailed to like um, get my eyes in where they need to go, um, working to um, highlight different areas, you know, like give different textures and different highlights more so as I go. So, um, yeah, so. Uh, so. I, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's great. Like, I, yeah, it's just amazing that you can sort of have all that sort of planned out in your head and then just to be able to put it on paper like that, that's great. Um, so I, I, I have I was seen... Gonna, I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask, I was going to say next, I wanted to ask about the background of that. Yeah, that so, I, so I've noticed um, recently, like, your those were some, I think, some of the, your older drawings that you've done. I've noticed some of these... Um, from your Facebook page, um, could you talk kind of your inspiration or I guess like how you decided to start using these old, um, I don't know if, are they bank notes? Like what, what are those? Yeah. So, um, uh, anybody familiar with, uh, traditional native American art has heard of ledger art. And, um, uh, I guess today it's expanded a little farther beyond the ledger. But if you think back to like the mid to late 1800s, uh, whenever there was contact made between the tribe and settlers coming this way, um, the, um, the groups of people that were out here were the tribes, the settlers, the military, and like the traders, the merchants, you know? And um, they were bringing pencils and ink and, and paints and whatnot. But uh, traditionally, the tribes were using hides almost exclusively other than like rocks and whatnot. But during that period, um, not just the buffalo, but a lot of the wildlife was hunted almost to extinction. And so hides were really extremely limited, you know, and if you had one, you probably didn't really want to use it for, for art at that point, you know? Yeah. And so um, uh, there was one guy in particular named Bad Heart Bull and uh in his community he you know he he wanted to he was a 
um, uh, a winter count artist. That's uh, traditionally, or this is where it stemmed from. Uh, every year they do a winter count and there'd be a mark for every person or every family and kind of some history about how the year went, what the supplies were like and what the movements were like. And um, so that kind of ended with uh, reservation life, but um, Bad Heart Bull, he got a hold of some colored pencils and some ink and whatnot. And uh, he went to an agent or a trader and said, uh, I, you know, I have some color, but I have nothing to put it on. And they looked around and said, well, about the only thing we have is these ledger books with paper. You can take some of these. And, um, it just became a thing, you know, and um, the uh, Lakotas and other a few other tribes have carried it on over the years. And uh, now it's a big niche, you know, um, there's a lot of artists that do ledgers uh, just exclusively. There's collectors out there who collect exclusively ledger paper. Um, most of the, and, go and, ahead. And so that, that is like actual, like, was that like 1800s, like ledger paper then that you're drawing on? Yeah, the ones, uh, the originals here were 1894, and they're from, uh, they're pretty interesting because they're from Fort Pier, South Dakota, which was, you know, okay. kind of the, the primary um, hub at that time. And these, these in particular were um, tax receipts for their lots in town, mm. um, for their property, their lot property, and they were paying tax, and these were the, the receipts for them. And um, this is kind of two phase here. Uh, I was doing, I'm currently doing a project uh, along with a few other Lakota artists. Uh, uh, a store in Rapid City has a book of these that they got at an auction and the four of us are kind of filling them up as time goes. And um, so, you know, we retain a right to, to use our work. So uh, I got prints of, some, of those made. Uh, and so I reproduced the like the deer and the hawk, but then I added original backgrounds, uh, unique backgrounds to them. Mm. Um, a lot of my work, all of my work uh, seems to be really time consuming. You know, I, I just put a tremendous amount of time goes into, you know, mapping it out and designing it and all this line after line and then uh, going back and forth, smoothing everything out. So um, this was a way for me to kind of make some little more affordable art for uh, like my friends and the rock hound community and others because like my full scale pieces get really um, expensive you know I get so much time into them and um, the rock community has always been so great to me you know I, I just uh, want to find ways to to um, give back you know so yeah um, so we actually did have a question uh, Stacy she was trying to um, she's looking to to see, I guess, how how if someone wanted one of these pieces, um, do you have them on your website, your Facebook page? Like, how can people um, look into getting one of these? Uh, yeah, I I wish I could. I had better news, but uh, um, they're kind of tough to get a hold of. My my website, I I don't. I started out with kind of a a low end platform to build my website on, and. It has its ups and downs all the time. And I think for maybe like two years, I haven't done much with it. Um, I'm primarily marketing on my Facebook, just as myself. Um, I do a little bit on Etsy. My wife's a, a bead artist as well. So she sells a lot across Etsy. But um, uh, like the um, two weeks ago, I had a, 
a residency at our local college center at the historical center there and um these were these were selling just as fast as i could make them you know like uh within an hour or two they they'd be gone so um most of my work i do is commission work uh, which i like fine but um i prefer just to do stuff out of my own my own head you know i think i can do it faster and it appeals to me a little more right um, right we, i was we gonna have, ask you oh sorry we keep say, doing just, that just re I... re real quick um chase says uh that you're awesome right on chase is awesome too i got to listen to his show and i, I share a lot of the same sentiments you know about how uh, uh the rock community is really a um a great place to be for people who can't always find their place with other people you know i was kind of like that myself you know i i felt i feel more comfortable around rocks than people for the most part you know right and um also uh like chase talked about uh suicide aware awareness i think that's really important you know it, it affects all of us uh way too often so yes um uh, Chase does a great job out there, and uh, I hope he keeps going. Uh, hopefully, within the next week or so, I'll have some new prints available. My latest piece, the the Badger piece, and so um, I would want to donate a large uh, artist proof of my new Badger to Chase's Maui cause. Oh, that's very nice. That would be great. Yeah. That would be great. I was going to ask you, um, have there been any artists that have been, uh, I know that you said, you know, nature is your inspiration, but are there any artists that inspire your work at all? Um, there's quite a few. I, I would say um, one in particularly would be Oscar Howe, the late Oscar Howe. Um, he was really ahead of his time. He was a Lakota artist as well, or a Dakota maybe. Um, and uh, one of the problems he was having were, um, you know, he was uh, the museums and collectors and whatnot. They were saying, um, this is not Native American art, you know? And uh, so his journey was kind of saying, uh, Native American art is what Native Americans say it is, you know? It's not for anybody yeah. else to, to decide. Yeah. And so he really kind of paved the way a lot, I think, you know, for people to get away from stick figures and uh, rock, you know, what do they call mm -hmm. those? Well, the cave um, paintings. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Or, or so um, I think so, he was, yeah, he so, was kind of um, one of the catalysts to kind of, you know, really spur, spur things into motion. And I, and I think, you know, in uh indian country we we are really uh you know even since um we left the buffalo hides and started the ledger um they were um first some of the first to use canvas to draw on which that moved to europe after that you know and then um like using papers they were using uh commodity ration papers to draw on you know i like get a get a bag of flour and use the flour and now you have some drawn material. So mm -hmm. uh, I think um, the native community has always been really innovative. And to this day, 
is very innovative in art, you know? Right. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I did um, see in one interview, you mentioned that your grandmother um, created some art. Um, what sort of art, I guess, or I guess what was sort of done like in your family, I guess, that kind of helped you along or um, that you saw that kind of like sort of supported you in your um, artistic career? Yeah, I think, well, um, just growing up on the reservation in general, you know, everybody's seems to be pretty artsy. There's been some recent studies where there's like over, I think over 50% of the, the households on, on our reservation have at least one artisan within the household. Uh, my grandma, she was into um, beadwork and quill work. She'd do like earrings and medallions and for like beauty pageants or say the the um, powwow princess or whatnot. She would do like the, she would bead the crowns and things like that. Um, she wasn't really into drawing. She tried to teach me how to bead, but I, I just couldn't pick it up, you know? So <laughs> maybe that's why I went to the pencil. I always liked to just sketch, you know? Um, I wasn't, didn't seem to be uh, so good with the, with the, the, the traditional crafts as grandma was, you know? And, and did uh, she collect rocks? Yeah, she, uh, she was the one that kind of first got me into rock counting. Um, she, uh, I spent most of my time with her when I was little and, you know, living out here in the middle of nowhere, we have rocks and badlands everywhere. And she wanted a petrified wood garden around her house. So we'd, we'd go out here and there. She had a pretty good one by then already, by the time I was getting out and about, but, um, I'd haul her, her wood home for her and, she knew about some of the other rocks. We have, uh, you know, a nice diverse set of rocks out here. And so um, I was just finding different stuff and um, taking more interest in it. And uh, one day I'd come across the agate and I asked grandma what it was. And she told me it was an agate. She knew that much about it and that her brother had looked for those and whatnot. And uh, she had a couple at the house actually. And um, so I started asking around, but at that time, hardly anybody knew about the Fairburn agates, you know, as, as a pretty small base. And um, I did, you know, run onto a couple people and eventually they, they sent me this guy named Tom, who was kind of the foremost collector and he had tons of knowledge. He was uh, like some, a road engineer who'd done a lot of work in the Black Hills area in the in the dirt and uh um i think he wanted me to bring him to him to buy and he wasn't <laughs> hunting so much so he's like go here go there you know and right. um there weren't very many people hunting at that time just just a handful and now there's like literally thousands of hunters you know it's um really changed a lot but um so um as i started finding more and more i was just more intrigued and you know tom and introduced me to some other guys and I was just getting more information and more information and uh, learning the geology. It was just all so intriguing to me. And um, I had uh, um, trained for IT. I, uh, I was in the army and when I got out, I used my GI Bill and did a lot of IT school and then went to work in the IT field. And then uh, as my kids were coming along, I, I didn't get to spend much time with them. You know, I could provide really well for them but I felt kind of absent and I was uh, lonesome to or I wanted to be a part of 
of that as well. And so I was trying to think, you know, how uh, how could I get back to art? And, um, I I knew I'd have to be like really unique and original and different to you know really get off the ground in the art. And so for literally for like years, I was walking around looking for agates, thinking, what can I do with art and that be unique and different, you know? And I get take my finds around here and there, and sometimes somebody'd say, oh. That looks like a horse or it looks like a man or something you know and one day i just kind of had the idea to maybe try to you know put that to paper and i kept telling my wife about it i, I got this idea i got this idea and maybe after a couple of years she was tired of hearing it she said i don't even know what you're talking about and she, <laughs> she, she slid me a pencil and a paper and so i you know whipped up a couple drawings and um just for the heck of it, I posted it on one of our local rock groups, I think, and there was just quite a bit of interest in it, you know, people thought it was cool, and somebody's like, uh, would would you sell that, and I was like, yeah, I suppose, and he's like, well, what do you want, and I was like, uh, how about 100 bucks, and he's like, I'll take it, you know, and I was like, oh, cool, you know, and so I, I got another one going, and somebody asked about it, and I said, what do you, what do you got to have for that, and I was like, uh, 200 bucks, and like, I'll take it, you know, and so it just kind of went from there and uh, really like i said it was the rock community who was um kind of um spurred me into keep to keep going and to uh, and, and and so keep, when, when 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 did you start selling your artwork what what year was that about 2016 2016 okay so so just um to give a little bit more background on some of i guess of dustin's accomplishments um so I guess 2016, you started selling your artwork. And then in 2018, you won the new artist award at the Red Cloud Indian Art Show. Um, and then the following year, 2019, you won an award for drawing. Um, and then I'm um, guessing a break because of COVID. Um, and then last year, 2022, you won uh, best in category at Native Pop. So yeah, that's so I guess did you like just know that you were good when like people started buying it or like how, how did you like find that you have this like talent uh well like i said i, I always kind of like to sketch and draw but i didn't really have any formal training um but like i said our community is rich in artists you know we have like world-class artists just walking down the street every day so I started pestering them, you know, like I'd go to the grocery store and I'd be like, hey, do you think you could check out my drawings? <laughs> and they'd be like, uh, yeah, sometime come over. I was like, well, I got them in the car, you know, and so uh, I'd drag them over to the car and they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's cool, you know, it looks nice. And I was like, I know there's something I could be doing different or doing a little better, you know, I was like, you could be honest with me. And, and they would, you know, they'd say, straighten this up or do this, fill this out and, and whatnot. And uh, I do that to this day, uh, you know, so. And, yeah, no, uh, that's great. And and I guess if people are looking, um, I know some of the museums in the area, um, the Journey Museum, Crazy Horse Memorial, you were featured there. Um, and then I saw, um, I'm assuming it's it's up right now, but the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service took uh it was a uh, ferrets i guess um and that um is in their museum in west virginia is is that true yeah that's right uh 
That's awesome. I, you know, it's just been going better than I could have ever expected. You know, a, a lot of times it just kind of feels like a ride that I'm on. I, I don't really know what where I'm going next. I'm just <laughs> gonna enjoy whatever happens, you know, the best I can, and I'll make the most out of my opportunities. And at least to this point, you know, it's been uh, I've been um, improving. I think my skill and my income from art each year, you know, I'm getting more opportunities. And uh, uh, one thing I learned is that I, I wanted to have my own space, you know, so uh, that's the project that I'm working on now. I'm working some with some, some uh, really good industrial leading organizations like uh, art, art space and springboard from the art and first people's fun. And just to name a few. So trying to, to build like a gallery maybe is that what your your like kind of end goal is yeah for sure um what i've been learning is you know i it's just all about networking you know yeah um you just gotta the more people you bring into your your circle that have that are good people and have good skills it just grows everything you know you grow them they grow you yeah absolutely agree and um we have a you know a tremendous amount of of history that happened right here directly where I live that's connected with the Wounded Knee Massacre and, and the Ghost Dance era and then there's some stuff with a bombing range the imminent domain where this area where my family lives back during World War II and there's a lot of remnants of that here as well so and some good stories from that um, so I want to just start collecting some of that information, you know, both on, on any way I can, you know, I'd like to have a video center where I could bring in um, some tribal leaders or um, some people with good knowledge or that have experience, uh, you know, like firsthand experience from the bombing range area and, and some of the other history, historical events and, and get those recorded. And, um, uh, you know, people wander through here all summer long and they're just looking for some place to see and something to do but we really don't have anything <laughs> we really don't have any development here you know so and we have this you know people have little clues about um what they want to know but they're they're thirsty for more and i'm i hope to um kind of quench that thirst for them you know give them some some good factual historical knowledge that they can decipher for themselves, you know? Um, so if, if people want to follow, like, and get updates, um, is that like your, your Facebook, Instagram, like where can people like follow for, for that? Yeah. I think like, if you just wanted to see my work, like, and you wanted to maybe order a print or something like that, just for um, viewing, if you see my Instagram at Dustin twist is the best place to look at that. Um, I accept pretty much everybody on my, um, personal Facebook account, which is Dustin Twist. I also have the twistgallery.com account. I try to keep that one um, equal to my personal one. Uh, I think it'd be a good idea for me to start a page for my church project. Um, mm. Even though I'm still kind of early, I'm still kind of um, planning. Um, I'm getting my financials lined up with the help of some of these big organizations. So 
um, I'd really like to share my journey and like to have people come out someday when they get a chance and then send send somebody else out on down the road. So, um, and then my email is Dustin at twistgallery.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me um, if you want to order anything. I sell a lot of note cards. Usually I do four note cards for 20 bucks and then like a few dollars for shipping. And I generally have most of my images on hand. So, yeah. Um, Is there, I remember you mentioned it um, in maybe the pre-interview or or in some other context, um, the connection between agates and the Lakota? Yeah, so I could touch on that a little bit. Uh, for, for me, personally anyway uh, when I you know probably a lot of you rock hounds out there you you have your pocket rock you know your nice little rock you take around everywhere so um, having my pocket rock it, it just always gives me an opportunity to teach you know uh, especially like the youth if I could find some youngster that's interested in nature or Lakota culture whatever the case may be I'll try to use my agate as a teaching point and, and and uh, there's a lot of different uh, connections that that I see between the Fairburn agate and the Lakota. You know, um, they were they're both uh, made of stardust. Uh, they're both uh, incubated in water. The womb is water, and um, they're all unique. Yeah, um, they're all perfectly imperfect you know and then uh the lakota society it's highly built on circles circles is like a symbol of unity on the plains long ago which was really really important because the tribes would traditionally spread their people all over the place spread them pretty thin you know so you had to maintain that unity to to have any strength you know otherwise you'd break out into all kinds of groups so unity is real important so the circle is real important so I the feel Lakota, like that's really relevant today too yeah for sure for sure and uh, you know over over time we see um that the earth moves as a circle and moves in a circle like the moon and the universe and the Lakota would gather to meet and make their decisions in a circle and uh, afterward they would uh, circle up and have some food uh, they would um, pray in a circle. I'd use the the um, um, circle for hunting, for um, warring, for their movement. You know, just everything was built upon a circle, and and that was where their strength came in. Was those those layers and layers, just like the agate, I say. You know, um, the over over time and the elements, they all um, build that strength and character into uh, something that we can appreciate, you know? And that's where, so that's kind of the way I use the agate too. Um, and then also that, uh, for me, he's like the, the remnants of, of Ia, you know? He's this little special piece of, of Ian that's still there to, to remind us of, of our 
relationship with each other and to the universe and to grandmother earth and um we get to you know we all can we can all have a little piece of you know in our pocket or on our finger around our neck you know so i think it's pretty special yeah that's That's actually beautiful the the way you put that actually i love it very nice so you you talked um some about like the culture um i guess so i i spent some time in college i i worked and lived in montana um and for about a year i i worked at a group home for juveniles and we had we had quite a few kids that would come in from like the reservation and being a white guy from the suburbs of minneapolis i didn't really have any exposure to it and they would always kind of say things like you know you don't know what it is on you know what it's like on the res and um like it kind of like opened up my eyes to a lot of you know sort of the differences between um i guess you could even call them worlds like just the whole world that i was living in um and so i was wondering if you could talk about like some of um sort of the differences um and what people might not know if they've you know never talked to someone who's native and you know don't know you know they've never set foot on a reservation like could you talk about that yeah for sure um you know, uh, my mom, she she's a non-native, and uh, so you know, I had a lot of experience uh, off the reservation as well. I'd spend some times in the summer, and then also in high school, I went a couple of years off the reservation. And you know, um, um, there is there is a lot of differences, but there's way more similarities. You know. Um, the Lakota, like I said, I think they recognize the relationships that are, you know, it's just like interwoven within the culture to recognize those relationships. You know, I think that's why a lot, a lot of us end up like water protectors and um, air pollution fighters and whatnot. Um, like, uh, off the reservation like you have your your cousins and your first cousins and your second cousins and your third cousins and your aunts and uncles and your grandparents and whatnot but the family structure is a lot different at least here on our reservation uh like uh like your grandpa say your your um your dad's dad any of his brothers would be considered your grandpas as well and then uh, your dad's brothers, they're kind of like your dad too, you know, they're your uncle too, but um, so then their kids would be like your siblings. So rather than first cousins, they're, they're, they're more like your siblings. And so uh, that's why we say uh, uh, traditionally a long time ago, Lakota, Lakota never had any orphans, you know, cause uh, you always had multiple grandparents and parents and siblings and whatnot and uh um you always had to provide for yourself which is kind of the way it still is you know like uh um you wouldn't take somebody buffalo meat every day but uh you could give them a horse and a bow and then they could get their own buffalo and it's still kind of like that you know we all watch out for each other uh whoever's down and out 
you know, we try to, we try to rally them up the best we can. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of struggles, you know, and there's a lot of misconceptions. Um, part of my church project, that's what, that's kind of my goal with that is to put some real actual history out there just to let people experience that and make their own decision on it. Yeah. Um, uh, like growing up for myself during that period, we didn't hardly get any of that type of, of information, not even here on the reservation, you know, um, we had very little like language, uh, classes or, or history classes that had to do with that. It was all kind of like colonial, colonialized history. And, um, uh, you know, it wasn't until kind of after I got out of school, there was um, bigger pushes to like re rejuvenate that. Um, but it was really tough because um, there was such a gap there, you know, um, for so long, it was kind of forbidden or taboo or whatever to practice or, or learn any of that. So um, we're really trying to piece things together, you know, and um, I'm really hopeful and uh, wishful that we can um, find our strength again when, once we kind of get our culture back in order, you know, the way it was meant to be. Yeah. And it seems like your, your art, you know, really demonstrates that too, where you pull a lot into, um, you know, your, your surroundings for one. And then also, you know, just your, your, well, your culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if you want to visit the reservation, a, a lot of people are weary of it, but you know, you come here, people are really generous. Um, they, they want to teach. They want you to understand. They want to bridge gaps, you know? Right. Um, uh, you know, I would say, you know, during the daytime, it's, it's totally safe to come down here and, and interface at night. It, it could probably be just like any city, you know, it, you know like, um, worse things seem to happen at night, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely get that. I've, you know, I've been through a few and I, I live actually in the County. I live at the Malax um, reservation is just North of me too, which, um, I could get into some of that discussion here too. I know there are some people that are, um, being ridiculous about trying to say that tribal police don't have rights to pull people over and different things, which is a whole other, um, issue. But, um, I know the one thing that, you know, just kind of talking about sort of the, some of the hardships and different things. And, um, I'd mentioned this to Amber before we started, but I was reading through one of, um, the things that popped up, um, and you, you were talking about how, um, like some of the reservation contractors were trying to like fund, um, construction projects and they were having issues because some of the banks won't support them because of a lack of collateral where the land, they can't use it because it's, um, considered trust land. Is, is that right? Yeah. You know, we just have a tremendous amount of difficulties that, that we still have to work through. You know, um, just for instance, I'm working on a project. I, I can't say too much, but it's an extremely large video game company. And they want to come here and they want to get some textures from the earth. And I've been working with them for over a year. The tribe's all down. They're ready to go. They're excited about it. But the large company can't submit to the jurisdiction of 
to go to tribal court if there's any um, any incidents that happen or any liability that comes up. And they, you know, they say, well, you know, it's um, because the tribe has interest in the project that that it couldn't necessarily trust their court to make a fair decision you know so i say so in re my response is you know if you go to the blm and you want to texture their land and something happens they'll take you to federal court it's it's still the it's still the united states government's court that you're going to for working on their land it's no different right. you know right so we have i mean we just have a tremendous amount of of this language this legal language that we still have to get straightened out there's a lot of work to do you know um south dakota doesn't have the best record with working with the tribes i wish they'd be a little bit more like montana who's taking a pro proactive stance and um, they've come to understand that the tribal nations are are their state citizens as well and when the when the tribes do well the state does well you know that's tax money for them that's revenue for them that's money outside money coming in. So uh, I think that's really where our state needs to strengthen the relationship, uh, our nation to state relationship um, could benefit both sides. And yeah, it just the direction that, we need to work. Yeah, that just reminds me a lot too of your artwork here with, you know, taking old sort of official, you know, possibly government documents and being able to transpose like these beautiful like works of art. Like, yeah, it's, it's really great. Uh, just a note here too, uh, good old reservation life. Our power is out at the moment. So, oh, okay. Uh, I did see you get a little bit darker. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if uh, the sun went down or, or what happened. So I'm totally on battery power at the moment. So if the power doesn't come back on, is that normal? Is it weather related or? I'm not sure what's going on. Our weather seems to be pretty good, but I mean, we do, we do lose power from time to time. And um, um, part of it's just being where we're so remote out here, mm -hmm. you know, there's only one line that comes, you know, miles and miles and everybody's branched off of that. And, you know, maybe 40 miles away, a badger crawled the pole or, put the next 60 miles out or something you know yeah so, so are, are there a lot of other people then that collect rocks where you're at quite a few a, a lot of the um, tribal members here they're getting more and more into it you know it's a good source of little extra money some gas money it's good exercise um uh it's being you know it's coming more and more to light the historical value of the agate to the lakota um, they've found they've found some winter counts from like four or five hundred years ago that has some of these same type of patterns on on the borders of them and um an, like a, another friend of mine john goes in center he has a really nice presentation it, you know a lot of my all of my information just like you and chase said ben you know we're just passing it on somebody else gives us information we're just passing it on so um um john is where I get a lot of my um, information on on how the rocks tie to the Lakota culture, um, and he's out there, out and doing presentations and whatnot. So uh, I see a lot of artists and Lakota artists in particular who are starting starting to incorporate either that pattern or the actual agates or 
or um, something to do with that more into their art as well, you know, um, which makes me proud, you know, that I kind of bring a, a element back into um, what we're what we're producing out here that was kind of lost for a while. I, I feel like, you know. Yeah. So um, I guess we can go back through quick and just look at some comments. Um, yeah. Star Star did ask um, if you do if you've done anything. I know you've um, there's not many waterfalls in the Badlands, but do you have any waterfalls? Um, I don't have any any waterfalls. Um, starting on a piece that has lakes in it, it's like a um, what was the period? The Thunder Horse, the Bronotherium, like the late Oligocene or something. It was all this was like a tropical rainforest kind of area. So, um, yeah, I'm going to start doing more water stuff. Uh, I'm gaining a lot of fans in, like, the Great Lakes area. So mm. I kind of feel like it's important to um, get that get water incorporated into my drawings, you know. Uh, water is a big part of uh, the Lakota culture as well. So yeah, that's something I look to do more of. Stacy did say that she's bought a couple of your pieces through Wayne and Chase. So... Um, she was one that had asked earlier about the deer. Um, and we had Lane, um, Lane Joanna mentioned that they, they did find a Fairburn that looked like a horse head. Nice. Yeah. And it looks like we have one other comment here. Um, they mentioned about a drum. I'm not sure if you know what that's about. Yeah, I did a couple of drums. I did, I did one for a traveling project that, uh, represents Tatanka Kong, one of uh, Eon's descendants in the creation story, in the Lakota creation story. And that was with a group of fabulous artists. And uh, that piece is going to uh, go on tour uh, to a few different museums, a few different venues. Wow. And then uh, also I did a drum for one of my friends. I think he was gifting it to his brother or his cousin. It was like uh, for, you know, to go to powwows and, and sing with. So if, if people wanted to view your artwork, are there places they can view it right now? Uh, the best place, the easiest place to go to be go to my page on Instagram at Dustin Twist. And uh, you can just flip through uh, what I've posted over the last couple months. Most of the stuff on there, I have like um, note cards and eight by 10 and um, 14 by 17 inch prints. That's kind of basic, my basic stuff that I have. Um, like I said, my note cards, I do four for four for 20, eight by tens for 60 bucks and the 11 by 14s for like 120. And I usually do like a couple dollars for shipping. And if you just reach out to me on my email, uh, I, I'll respond, you know. Uh, and I will include that um, in in this episode so that people have that reference as well sure any other any other questions that yeah any other questions before we wrap up thanks everybody for stopping by yes it's been such a pleasure i enjoyed learning from you today thank you i hope yeah those those the the artwork too it's i've seen it you know on chase's shows in different places but yeah, that's I, I always I do follow you on Facebook and it's always interesting, you know, scrolling through and seeing a new image pop up. It's it's yeah. great. Right on. Uh, Amber, do you happen to have the badger on cue? Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, yeah. 
so uh, I don't know this. It's not too big, but in the ground there, I have some ravines built in there. And that was kind of the technique I was going to use with my water. Uh, if you look uh, into the crevices of the ravine, it matches the, the colors of the badlands to show yeah. that the badlands are kind of uneroded. They're not eroded out yet. And then um, in the sky where the, the curves kind of meet each other, uh -huh. I uh, worked on the shadowing. A lot of times when you find a nice patinaed Fairburn, it has a little bit of a faceted look. It's not faceted, but it's mm. the way it's chipped out. And uh, the curves and the lines seem to hold a little more strength. And so it, it chips a little deeper between the lines. So um, I've been trying to get more three-dimensional. Uh, that's uh, Oscar Howe. He was really known for like his depth and dimensions that he showed in his artwork. And so that's something I'm working toward gaining in mind you know hopefully down the road a sky will look like it kind of wraps up toward you or away from you or something like that or the, i try to put badlands in about everything because that's what i see every day and uh, i want to you know make them bend around in a circle like toward you or away from you and i want to add more texture in the ground like i say adding um, water features and, and things like that and um, I'd like to get a, um, more elaborate, you know, like just do some super elaborate pieces, like say have a bunch of trees and maybe stars or different animals or different land formations, but um, they would just take up so much time by hand. I, um, I, I can't really afford to do anything too crazy, you know, everything I so, do, I have to be able to finish like within a month or two, you know? Yeah, so so like this badger piece, how like about how long did that take you? Uh, about I would say around 120 hours from start to finish. Wow. Um, a good a good portion of it, about a third of it, is getting it all designed. Um, the animal takes quite a while because you know I have to build in like the facial features and any kind of um, parts it has. I have to consider all that as I go. I can only do a few lines at a time and I have to build them in. And it takes a, it's kind of like a puzzle, you know, you got to sit there and it's like a puzzle with no box to look at. <laughs> yeah. um, right. And you just kind of have to work it out in your mind and as you go. And um, then I get to the color part and that can be pretty painstaking too, you know, like, like sometimes I might not have my, say my ground colors picked out and I have the whole rest of the the picture drawn and then I'm just a nervous wreck thinking I'm going to wreck the rest of it with some <laughs> crazy colors in the ground, you know? And so um, I get a lot of couple compliments on the colors that I use and um, the way I use them, which is kind of interesting since I'm self-taught, you know, or nature taught, I guess. Yeah, that's incredible. And so yeah, you know, I just I just try to do something that I like and I hope other people like it too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main thing. So Yeah, and I'm just always trying to evolve, you know. Um I know other people are I can see sometimes in other people's agate art how they're picking up on the the new things that I'm doing or kind of figuring out uh, off of what I figured out what 
how the patterns go and whatnot, you know. And um, that's good, you know, that's cool. But I'm just trying to keep evolving, you know. Uh, um, kind of what I see in my head, I don't, I can't get it to paper yet. I, I have a long ways to go, but hopefully on down the road, I'll get a little more of, of what I have in my mind to paper and hopefully keep, in, you know, inspire people to just keep coming up with new cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, and definitely, you know, I like I've mentioned before, you know, follow Dustin on Facebook, Instagram. He's got some great stuff. And I know you, you have posted sometimes when you've got things for sale on there, too. I know there's been quite a few people that have been itching to buy some more of your artwork. So hopefully you'll, you'll post some more soon. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to keep getting more out there. If you have a piece in mind, you know, reach out and we can talk about it. Yeah, nice. I, I wish I wish I had more photos because I... Just, just to go through some of the ones that I've seen, um, you know, besides the landscapes, um, I know I've, I've seen like you've had like dragonflies. Um, I really like the one that you had too with like lightning that was coming down. That was really cool. And then um, I mentioned even the dinosaurs you, you had. I think it was like a velociraptor and like a, um, a yeah. woolly mammoth too. Yeah, like, mammoth. yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are really cool just to kind of bring, you know, sort of the, the prehistoric you know, what used to be there thousands or millions of years ago. That's, those are really great. I love those. Yeah. Like I said, you know, anything indigenous to the area and we got a large range of animals yet to cover. So, Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dustin, for joining us tonight. Um, oh, let's see. We've got another comment here. Yes, oh, they, the Crawford said, Rock Swap. Yeah, it's coming up pretty soon. It's it's one of our best shows out in this area. I uh, definitely recommend hitting the Crawford show if you get a chance. Um, I plan on being there. I'm not sure if I'm going to be set up yet. Um, things have been really busy for me, you know. I, I've been trying to just balance everything out. I, I used to come out with a new set of cards every year, but I kind of um, slowed that down to a set every other year. So um, 2024, I'm kind of ramping up, right? maybe the end of this year, beginning of next year for a new set of cards, which um, usually everybody's happy when new cards come out. And then, uh, so so yeah. people were if people were wondering, um, the Crawford Rock Swap is in uh, Nebraska. It's put on by the Northwest Nebraska Rock Club. It's uh, Labor Day weekend, so as it mentions, uh, September first uh second third and fourth and they do have just looking at their schedule um it's at the crawford city park um so crawford nebraska um they actually do have uh, a field trip to aga gravel beds so people are looking for some um rock swaps and rock collecting the uh crawford rock swap is uh coming up quick yeah it's a great show that's a great field trip as well you know uh, we have just so many great rocks out here not just the Fairburn we have all kind of petrified wood we have um, calcid uh, um, cycad we have all kind of different calcidneys prairie agates bubblegum agates lace agates we have um, sea type stuff corals um, we have so much out here in South Dakota we're just so blessed in the rock department you know so and and then uh, northern nebraska so i'd recommend 
come on out. You know, we got a couple guys around the Black Hills that are doing tours. Uh, so look them up. They'll they'll get you out and to a spot where you can find something. And, nice. Uh, yeah. Take a lot of the work out of it. They're they're really hard to find. You know, like uh, I used to be able to go out in a day and you know find a small handful or at least find one or two, but now you know it could be two or three days to find find anything at all. Wow. You yeah, I know. Get... I know. Looking for Fairburns, it's I I did it once and I found a really really tiny tiny one. And from what I've heard, it's it's a good day when you find a Fairburn. It is. It is. And you can like you could still go out. You know, find two or three in a day, a couple good ones, you know, but you, you just have to be persistent and have to really want one. Yeah. You'll get one. So, yeah, I appreciate, I really appreciate you guys having Yes, thank you I, for being, coming on the show today. It was great. Yes. Yeah, and thanks and... for sticking with us through all these technical difficulties. This was uh, the yes. most difficult one so far. Yes. But, yes, so... Yes. Um, do you, you want to introduce our next yes. guest? Yes, next, next, next episode, Wednesday, September 6th at 9 p.m., we have Bethany Burke, a.k.a. BK Burns. She is a paleontologist and she also um, preps fossils. Um, she mostly uh, does her presentations Um for children, but she uh, tailors it for all ages. Um, she's from Texas and she's got a lot of energy, very intelligent and, and passionate about fossils. So really excited to have her on as a guest. And we will sign out for tonight. So thank you everyone. Thank you everyone for joining. Uh, thank you, Dustin. And we'll see you in two weeks. Peace out. Bye everyone. Have a good night.